your host, Michaela, and today I'm joined by Sara, Frigia, and Kayla. In this episode, we will be talking about Richard Ramirez, also known as the Night Stalker. So I'm going to start this off by doing our introductions. Frigia, do you want to go first? My name is Frigia. I'm a junior, and I like to uh, read. Kayla? Um, my name is Kayla, and I love true crime. And Sara? Hi, my name is Sara, and I know a little bit about true crime. All right, so I think we're just going to dive in on the subject of the Night Sucker and about Richard Ramirez. Um, his killings took place in California through June uh, 1984 and August 1985. I know that a lot of us are very familiar with the case. Uh, do you have any comments about it, Kayla? Okay, I guess we'll just be talking about why he did what he did, and then we're going to talk about a little bit of his like past so I heard that he was, like, abused by his father. Uh, as a child, he developed this sort of, like, gruesome interests early on. And during his mid-teens from his cousin, who taught him some military skills during, that he decided to use during his long-term killing sprees. Yes, he was born in February 1960 in El Paso, Texas. He was convicted of 13 murders, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. He would often commit burglaries to support his drug addiction because he was addicted to cocaine. Yes, and this cocaine addiction also, he had a lot of like health problems. Like I know his teeth were like one of a, it was a main marker in his conviction. He had really messed up teeth. When, he w when they were opening up the case and they were searching for him, he got pulled over at a traffic, for a traffic stop. And he had his hands on the vehicle, and as soon as he heard the police radios looking for his description, he ran for it. They were able to get the car. They held the car in an impound, and they weren't able to access it for a while, so the prints ended up burning up. He, They found um, a dental card in there. They sent some officers in there into the dentist's office looking for him, waiting for him to come in because they knew his teeth were very bad, and they would have to get done at some point. The chief ended up pulling out those two officers that were in there and installing the robbery buzzer. When the secretary saw him, she pressed the buzzer and unfortunately something happened with the wires and they were not called. They did not make it in time. Mm, damn. Um, I heard that he never uh, expressed any remorse. He didn't have this like sad feeling, you know, like people mm -hmm. feel guilty, you know, he didn't, he didn't feel guilty, any of that. And he died on June 7th, 2013. And did you guys hear about his wife, actually? Yes. So apparently this woman, right, she she sees him on TV and she's like, I have this sort of connection with him, right? She sends him some letters, right? And then she meets him while he's convicted, while he's in jail. And she writes him letters. She's like, oh, my God, like, I see something in you. Nobody else can. Oh, like, I understand that you're not like because people didn't know if they were if he was really the serial killer. Like they said he was like but he didn't it wasn't proven yet right so she's like i know you didn't do it so and then they met while he was in prison right and apparently they got married too she got disowned by her family and then the results came and she was never to be heard from again yeah and there are many women just like doreen loy his wife that would send letters to him and very graphic <laughs> images of themselves to him in his cell and while the trial was still going on. And unfortunately, this is the case in many different serial killers. Um, they have all these fans, which is very sad. All right, thanks for tuning in. That'll be all. That was it for the Into the Night podcast. We'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye.